Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is Tim Gillespie. I'm here with Patty McCoy and Dave Ferguson. We are here at the Sacred Echo Podcast. And how's everybody doing today? Dave, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Had a super long day, ended up getting stuck in traffic when I was supposed to get home at about 11 p.m. and ended up, it was, you know, it was late. So I'm, 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 I'm with us. I'm feeling great. I might be a little fuzzy, but had a long day, a I- great day with a part of our team. Awesome. I think that's the most negative I've ever heard Dave. I know, huh? He's yeah. always like great and he's always got his arms out and he's always Yeah. Dave's in a yeah. Dave's in a real These depression. Are folded right yeah. here. He's in a real depression. <laughs> <laughs> and the it other word that caught me. me was was traffic. Like I didn't know you guys had traffic in Tennessee. <clears throat> oh, so first of all, anybody from the Chattanooga area is going to suddenly want to take issue and just say numbers like twenty four seventy five. But this was not actually around Chattanooga. It was coming back from Nashville, where we visited some sites. We we're looking at um, some of their architecture and their approaches to to developing their 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 spaces, their church spaces, their children's spaces, all of these sorts of things. So we took a group of our team around to some some just an eclectic mix of different places, and uh, it was really fascinating, fun. But we ended up driving back late, and there was an accident right before a big construction section. Well, that was awesome. So we, we, we spent a good deal of time being able to debrief. <laughs> well, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, Patty, I understand that you might be a little foggy as well. Yeah, well, yeah I am. I'm foggy for different reasons. Uh, I, I pull, threw my back out on Monday doing something mm. I shouldn't have done, uh, which really was just lifting. It's all it is. <laughs> and, but there comes a point in time when lifting needs to be more thought out than it used to be. Um, and so, yeah, I've got, I've got some, uh, aids to help me be able to sit up, uh, without wincing right now, but I'm doing good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh. you look good, Patty. I'll I'll just say Thank you. Just for the record, I'm doing fine. I slept in today. I got up at five. So I feel like, how are you, Tim? (laughs) I know. Yeah. We should ask. I'm great. Let me put my arms out like Dave normally does. I am wonderful. Slept Doesn't in until it feel five. Even better, a little bit. Just yeah, I go, slept in, go big. I slept until <laughs> five. I rode my bike that goes nowhere. Um, I think fourteen <laughs> miles this morning. So I'm feeling really good about that. D- Tim, when you sleep in, is it like you know, like an, an alarm didn't go off, or is it a conscious choice? Dude, I don't use alarms. I'm a finely tuned instrument <laughs> where I can just I can will myself to wake up, like legit, legit. <laughs> Did you I can, do one of those prayers that said, you know, I'm going to every, when, whenever you no. wake me up, God, I'm going to, nope. I'm going to get up. No, nope. it's not that. I, I have an internal, I actually, it's just massive anxiety for what I have to get done. <laughs> so I just wake up in a panic at three 30 every morning. So, so here's a question. As you travel, do you always just wake up? Uh, like, like if you wake up regularly, just like clockwork four o'clock, do you wake up at four o'clock local time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no matter it's what. super annoying. That's weird. It's super annoying. Last year, I traveled so much that 
I didn't even know when, like I would just fall asleep whenever I sat down. I was so tired. And then I would, I sleep about four and a half hours and then I'll wake up and then I have to like consciously go, okay, I'm going back to bed or I can just get up. That's pretty much, it doesn't matter when I go to bed, four and a half hours, I'm going to wake up without an alarm, look around and be like, is that it? Is that the day? And I don't know why. I've always wondered if that's more cool or more sad that, Um, you know, you, you can not sleep more than four and a half hours. I... Again, I do think there's actually a, there is a component of anxiety of like, man, because the thing I do before I go to sleep, I pray, you know, and then I start going through my day the next day. And that's maybe not the best thing because I often have dreams of just missing appointments. Mm. Right. Mm. And that, that, yeah. wakes, that keeps me awake. That sounds, it right. sounds so tragic now. This I, is I, a I was sad say, way to start this thing. If I've like only the sad part. <laughs> yeah, if I've only slept, I just so the rest of the listeners know, if I've only slept four and a half hours and I wake up and I have that thought of, do I just go or do I go back to bed? Um, my answer is always back to back to sleep. Oh. Um, okay, so I'll I'll try to split the middle here. This is something that happens to me with some regularity. Uh, if I wake up at four, it's probably because my mind is not settled on something. <clears throat> Maybe it's because of something I've been churning around in terms of what I want to preach or. This week I've had stuff going on. Um, well, I'll I'll sometimes wake up early, like about four o'clock, and I will allow myself the permission to pray and converse with God about what's going on in my mind in the kind of way that says, if sleep happens, that's perfect. That's awesome. I'm not worried about it. And so I will end up kind of going in and out of kind of prayer sometimes mm-hmm. in a kind of a middle state between what you two just described. <laughs> so like a zombie state <laughs> is what you're talking about. I guess. About. Yeah. That, that might be it. <laughs> um, so fascinatingly, and we did not plan that, we're actually, this actually leads us into the conversation that we're having. Um, we're on week five of New Wine, and um, we have, we've transitioned out of the, kind of the metaphor of New Wine and Vine and Vineyard. And we're moving into a discipleship conversation. And part of discipleship is how we engage in the biblical spiritual disciplines. And so um, so that's kind of what we're talking about, because prayer, certainly fasting, solitude, um, you know, even quietude. I've heard that written down. Um, there's there's tons of different lists, just so you know, like there's tons of different lists, tons of different writers. Um, and there seems to be in in my opinion, first, before we like jump into this, there, there seems to be a lot of anxiety at times around the idea of spiritual disciplines, hmm. right? Um, there's, there's different takes on it. When we talk about biblical spiritual disciplines, these are things that come from scripture. They come actually from the gospel and we see the things that Jesus has done, hmm. right? So it comes from the narrative of the gospels when we engage in the, in the biblical spiritual disciplines. Now, there are people who who engage, and I think I write about this a little bit in the series guide. There are people who engage in what we could say are definitely spiritual disciplines that kind of give us a spiritual awareness or move us towards that idea. They might not necessarily be biblical, um, and there probably is some benefit. But when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, we're kind of talking about the biblical spiritual disciplines as evidenced in the life of Jesus and his disciples and what he asked them to do and his practice. Does that make sense? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the ways in which we have a relationship. Right. Um, I, I think it's, it's kind of just giving, um, you know, some terminology and definition and practice to what it looks like to, to be in a relationship with, with God. 
right? No. And these things are not, um, they're not unknown within the Christian tradition. In fact, they have been, um, they've been practiced, and some, sometimes they're practiced even to an extreme, right? I'm thinking about like the 13th century Desert Fathers, um, who made a life of isolation and a life of fasting and prayer, aestheticism, if you will, be pretty significantly overwhelming. And we even have stories, um, we have stories from like the 3rd and the 4th century of, I, remember, I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a story of this Egyptian Christian who, um, who was like, I can't. I can't be with my family anymore. I've just got to be in solitude with God. And so he goes out into the Sinai Peninsula and he finds this kind of old fort and he begins to live in the ruins of this old fort. And he's gone for like 15, 20 years. Nobody knows. Finally, somebody's like, what happened to that dude? Um, I don't think dude was the, the, <laughs> yeah, the was particular the term vernacular? in the yeah. third or fourth century. But um, <laughs> so they go out there. There's I can't remember where I read this, but it like it's academic. Like this really happened. People would go out to him. They found him and they'd go out and they'd be asking him, like, what do you know? You've been, you know, in solitude for so long. What has God said to you? And he was just annoyed that they would come. So when they would come out there to talk to him, he'd just throw rocks at them and try and get them to go back from wherever he, uh, wherever they came from. So um, certainly these practices can be, can go too, far, go too far. I don't know if that's an example of that, but that's an example of an extreme. Um, but, but most of us engage in them in some way, shape, or form. Well, and you're describing going too far. One of the things that I think maybe it's a cousin um, is isolating a spiritual discipline away from the balance of a journey with Jesus, right? That's one of the things I love about the gospel depiction of who Jesus is. You get these windows into these disciplines that Jesus engaged in, in connection with his father and connection with uh, the spirit and, and, but it's in a balance that isn't, uh, that is very invitational, I find, right? So I have noticed that we can fall prey to having a pet discipline mm-hmm. and almost creating it as its own thing bifurcated from our relationship with Jesus almost, right? So so now that gives us also the opportunity to judge one another, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not as involved in that discipline, I'm now judging your the balance of your spiritual journey because you're not waking up at two o'clock in the morning for a prayer phone call with this person. You know, you know what I mean? It's 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 um Jesus is so balanced in his approach and while being um clear and um and calling us deep, right? Um, so that so that I, I find that lovely, wonderful, and and I, but what, so that these these disciplines to me are Jesus' invitations to put your foot in the impression of the sand that He made, right? To step with me, step with me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I uh, you know in the in the last uh, last weekend, um, and and Tim, I want to give you a, a shout out for uh, mentioning Rob Bell's work in uh, Velvet Elvis on the schools. I I went and I found that to be a, a perfect fit and way to describe that process of Jesus inviting us into following and and discipleship. What was really going on when he called the the disciples? Um, 
And uh, he had a, a phrase that I got really drawn to was was the idea in in I guess an old rabbinic tradition that you followed your rabbi so closely you got his dust on your on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I just really like that idea of it. Um, you you actually see it in the in the gospels at least one time where. The, the disciples and onlookers, people that wanted just to see what Jesus was going to do next, where they got so close um, that the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years had to had to kind of work her way through the crowd, right? Because they were following so closely. But but I liked that idea of, of uh, that picture of discipling. I'm going to just follow Jesus as close as I can so I get his dust on my on my feet. Um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's really then these practices are are the ways in which we we try to um, you know form our life around you know uh, what that looks like and what that means to do because we we have calls to say you know pray in all things um, right. you know continuously uh, do this always um, you know well how do you do that without living a you know having these practices that you do that keep you continually you know, on the path towards Jesus or with Jesus. Yeah, it's the, I think that the disciplines are, um, they're this model of relationship. They're this model of intimacy, but, you know, like we often do, humans have a tendency to distort the great, the good and greatness of these things um, Mm -hmm. by way of like the, you know, there's, it puts you on the path to righteousness so that like the car of the Holy Spirit can pick you up from that road and take you along that journey. It's not the car, first of all, and sure. it's not the engine. It's the, it, it's the availability and it puts you on that path. But when we begin to believe that the disciplines are the end rather than the means, right, then we begin to become very legalistic. Kind of what Dave was saying before, not just a hierarchical understanding of my disciplines better than yours, but if, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't read, I didn't read for 30 minutes this morning. I didn't pray for 45. I didn't. Now I've got a legalistic approach to these kinds of things. And, and it's so funny because you kind of can't have a legalistic approach to a relationship. Right. 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 But we supplant that because then the, the activity, right, is the marker of whether or not we have a relationship. That's not really true because I've heard it said, I was talking to, I was talking to someone and they were like, you know, when I first started, um, when I first started silence in my practice, they said, I used to take me a long time to get there. And, and he's like, now I can get to silence kind of quickly. And I was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound right. Silence is silence. And he's like, no, practice, right? Some, it used to take me a couple hours to get to the point where I finally have silenced my mind. Right. Now, I know people are going to get all weird, like, oh, if you silence your mind, the devil's going to come in. That's not obviously what we're talking about. It's, it's saying everything that you need to say in that relationship <clears throat> so that you can now listen in yeah. a way that maybe you have a harder time doing because of everything yeah. else going on in your life. Right. Yeah. And yeah, can, I, can I just say, too, yeah. that, and sorry to kind of cut you off there, but uh, the, the, I regularly think to myself, you know, um, we can we can function out of deep fear and anxiety in our spiritual journey. Um, if you know the idea that being quiet enough to listen is what the devil needs to be able to talk to us, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Couldn't you also say that being quiet enough to listen is what God needs 
to talk mm-hmm. to us? I mean, right? It, it's so wild that our conclusion could be, no, what we need to do is always be filling the airspace with our thoughts and with our comments. And what God needs most out of us is for us to tell him myth stuff <laughs> as opposed to taking a minute and, and actually listening, that it is a converse, that prayer is a conversation where you actually create some space for the other party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, 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 sorry, Tim, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> No, no. I I was very aggressive on me letting you go. Sorry about that. Why don't you, Patty, why don't you say something? Well, okay. So there's, there's two things that I, I think about, um, you know, in, in this, um, one, I, you know, I know that the practices that we use to have a relationship, the biblical practices, um, you know, have come under attack by some. Um, right. That, that they're, yeah, that they're, somehow the devil's going to use these things to, to trick or deceive or things like that. I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the very thing that we're saying the devil is doing, actually, he might be doing by trying to attack the ways in which we have a relationship with God and, and somehow paint a picture that now these aren't safe. <laughs> Um, you know, and so that, that's, that's one side of it. I mean, I, I knew, uh, someone who uh, had said that they stopped praying because they're just sure that's how the devil's going to, going to get to them, which, which I think is sad. Um, you know, and, and I want to say, well, well, the devil's got you then, doesn't he? (laughs) Um, you know, in that sense, but, but the other side of it then too, is, um, I think in the spiritual practices, it's so much about managing our expectations to a degree. Um, you know, like we were talking about before this idea, the legalistic aspect of the disciplines that, you know, I got to spend 10 minutes in, you know, scripture and five minutes in prayer. And like, like, as if there's a formula to, you know, bring about God's presence and to hear God's voice, um, you know, and, and that's not at all what it is. Um, you know, it's not a formula, it's a, it's a relationship. So, um, you know, being in that relationship for the other person. Um, means you, you, you practice these things, you, you wait on God, um, and, uh, and that, but there's not a set, you know, uh, again, formula for God showing up or speaking to you. This is just what it means to be in a relationship day in and day out, uh, to receive whatever God may have to share with you that day, or to be open to what God might be up to in the community around you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's um so I want to I want to circle back to something you both mentioned this concept of fear, right? Um because in scripture, cuz I think we should start there, right? It says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Right? When when we live our lives with the fear of whatever, right? And when it comes to when it comes to the spiritual transformation, when it comes to the idea of talking about spiritual disciplines and things in this realm, there's a lot of fear that's around there um, that the devil is just waiting to jump in, and 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 um, and so many things that so many people have said are wrong, and we we seem what we do is it feels like a lot of the discussion centers around. A, our inability to discern what is what is good, righteous, and holy. Number two, um, again, our inability to discern what is biblical, what is not, 
and how we walk through that. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's inability to protect us in the midst of this journey. Yeah. I would even say it goes beyond the Spirit's inability to protect us. It actually suggests that when the devil wants in, the Spirit has to give him the right of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) if, in fact, my prayer includes my sharing my heart to God and my inviting him to speak into my life, and then I'm quiet and listening, and in that moment, that means I've now made it an opportunity for the devil to come in. What we're saying is, I have just chosen to ask God to speak in, or to just leave it silent, right? And so what the devil, that mentality says, what the devil has going for the devil is, first of all, he does not need my consent (laughs) at all. Number two, he implicitly already has God's consent. Right. Because he's the most powerful player in the three of us. Right. And that doesn't make any sense to me, um, given what the Bible says at all. So that's that's really fascinating because I think you're right. I think there's there's a giving the devil too much of a, too much due, right? There's also this lack of of faith and willingness to live in the fear of what Satan's going to do with no protection, no no even ability to protect that the Holy Spirit gives us, and it it's it really goes contrary to to the gospel narrative, number one, it goes contrary to what we understand in our Christian tradition and in our Seventh-day Adventist tradition, certainly. And we have, an, we have a tendency, particularly in our tradition, to really believe that the Holy Spirit still works and certainly worked at one point in time. Um, um, so, so why should we be afraid of the spiritual disciplines of the biblical? And I'll, I'll make that distinction, right? The, the, the biblical spiritual disciplines that, that are part of the grand tradition of Christianity. Um, why should we fear that if we are with not only good intention, but prayerfully walking through? I don't think we should. I just answered my own question. So there you go. <laughs> I, po- I posed it and then answered it. I don't think we should well, be fearful. Go ahead, Dave. I think, I think it's worth saying we can actually um, live our lives in the name of Christianity in a way that's disrespectful to the the importance of our own decision-making, and that goes either way. We can actually be disrespectful to the notion that we are clearly spoken to through Scripture, mm-hmm. that we are in a battle here, and that we do have a spiritual enemy, and we can act like that's not true. And that it doesn't matter um, whether we come under attack from him and how we approach that and all that. And, and, and that's not what we're saying at all. Right. But we can also act with disrespect to the power of God mm. in, in this whole approach as well. And I think it actually is a little bit of spiritual lazy mindedness because oh. we, 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 are, we are in some sense saying that we don't really have a part to play in what happens here. Mm. If the devil wants in, he has in. All he needs is a moment of silence. You know, right? it's like he gets to do what he wants. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have been given the incredible capacity to choose for myself the way of Christ or not. And that is not a flimsy power God has given to us. Right. He, he 
he died so that we would have that power to choose him. And the idea that it is so precarious that if you're, if you're not, if you're not, if your lips aren't moving <laughs> in prayer, go, you know, he can get you. Um, I believe it requires, first of all, God has made clear, God does not give consent mm-hmm. for the devil to take over our lives. Right. He does give us the power to overrule him. But that is not an accidental thing. It is a it is a very real um, choice, and it can happen in a, in in the summation of a bunch of little moments where we decide to turn away from Jesus, degree by degree by degree. Yes, and we ought to have deep respect for the importance of our decision making, but not to the degree that we're just kind of. We're, we're so fragilely wandering around. God's not all that powerful in that view, nor is our power of choice. That's good. Two things about that. Number one, 100% agree. Number two, um, your video and your audio are so off sync right now that when you were talking about moving your lips, it, you were absolutely silent when I looked at your <laughs> screen. And I was like, oh, it's weird. It's weird, man. I, I have wondered about it because you two are in sync with my audio and my video is not. And so I've wondered, is this going to correct in the uh, in the end or not? Are well, we going to be the, out of sync? I think the audio is fine. So as we deal with this technical issue um, during the podcast, which is deeply professional, just for the record. Yeah. Um, yes. Clearly. Um, I think it'll be fine. I think you got a new camera and either your computer's having a hard time keeping up with the video card, which means, I mean, you get a new camera. It just means you have to buy a new computer. Um, yeah, I think that's the, I think. But, that's but the math. It, it, it's important to note for the list, those listening that if there's a pause between what Dave says and, and our response, it's because we're not sure. We're not sure if when he's, he's done. done. <laughs> that's exactly right. But, but I have to, I have to tell you, like, I don't want to spend too terribly long in this. Cause I'd actually like to talk about the disciplines a little bit. Um, yep. but, but, I don't think we as believers in Jesus Christ need to have a spirit of fear. And I think when we do, we are not being faithful to the God of the universe. We are simply saying, God, you don't have enough to protect me. You don't have enough. Your Holy Spirit doesn't have enough discernment to even stop me. And I don't have enough discernment as a, as a, a creature that is fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. I don't have the discernment and I'm just so stupid that I'm just, I mean, it's, it's a tragic way to live. It creates anxiety. It creates friction and it creates very ugly expressions of fear into the world, into the world of faith. And I think, I think one of the things that disciplines does, in my opinion, when we sit and are quiet, listening to God, as we have prayed for him as we sit in solitude, as we're praying, as we're fasting, those moments of of spiritual clarity. And I don't think that's magic, just for the record. I think when we deprive ourselves of, of something, we have a tendency to focus on something else when we do it with intention, right? It's not this is not hocus pocus, friends. This is this is the natural result of saying, hey, I'm not gonna have a meal for 10 hours. And I'm going to focus on something that I believe God is calling me to think about or pray about and that sort of thing. And that extra focus, maybe even that nervous energy will help us do that. Um, 
I think that that's where transformation sort of begins. And I don't think we need to be afraid of that. Some of this is biological, right? Some of this is psychological. And the whole end is that we might grow spiritually in faith and, I'd like to submit, trust in a God that really cares about us, really loves us, and wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. And here's the thing. The disciplines do not guarantee spiritual maturity. Being spiritually disciplined does not necessarily mean you will be spiritually mature, but it gives you the time to reflect upon it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I, uh, yeah, so much. Yes. Um, to all of that, I think it, it ties into what we've been saying about the fruit, right? Is that, what is it that you're doing, um, and spending your time with and, and focusing your attention on where's your heart. And then what's the fruit that comes out of that? Because I think the fruit that comes out of, you know, being afraid or trying to conjure up something, um, you know, with God, without, without these, these deeply intentional practices, um, you know, the, the fear-based religion is, is not something that produces good fruit that blesses other people in my experience. Um, you know, and, um, and, and I think of several things I think of, you know, where Jesus said, there'll be people that will cry out, Lord, Lord, and they'll say away from me. I never knew you. Right. It's all about an invitation and, and relationship. And I think the devil doesn't care what you're focused on as long as it's not Jesus. So if you're going to be focusing on fear and trying not to be deceived so much, what's the old metaphor about, you know, counterfeit, counterfeit money, that the way they figure out counterfeit money is by looking so much and studying so much the original that the counterfeit becomes obvious, hmm. um, you know, and I, I think that that's what our call is. We're supposed to be so with Christ. I think um, uh, a favorite book and a favorite author of mine, uh, Ellen White and Steps to Christ says to let self be lost in him. Mm. Um, you know, that that's your best defense. Just let yourself be lost in Jesus. Um, you know, and when he called the disciples, the first thing he did in Mark three fourteen is he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him and they might, uh, and he would send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Um, we often are quick to go to the list of things we have to do. Where, when the first thing that Jesus appointed them to do was to be with him. So the spiritual disciplines are how we practice what it means to be with Jesus in a world that is vying for our attention all the time. Um, you know, is that this is how we pull away from that and we spend time with Jesus so that we can produce fruit mm-hmm. and be a blessing to other people. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking too, as you're talking, <clears throat> I think spiritual disciplines provide an opportunity to disrupt um, the glide path of the everyday that has a subtle uh, capacity to anesthetize us against the voice of God, right? Mm -hmm. The everyday creates patterns in us that, if we're not careful, God has to shout in our lives, right? And sometimes we'll only even really start thinking or listening in, in, in the way that Jesus would want us to in that particular day if we go through enough pain, right? Um, but, but I think spiritual disciplines, I think of things like fasting. I think of, you know, I'm a, I'm a talker. I'm a person who would what? engage in conversation. Is that true? Most every moment of the day, I know. Are we out of sync again? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so for me, to actually say, I'm going to, I'm going to not just, not just, uh, not be in conversation with another person, but I'm going to try to quiet my mind and actually try to listen 
for what God would want to say. That that's just that's mm-hmm. that's that's uncrossing my uh, everyday schedule legs, right? So that the mm-hmm. blood flow gets to go a little differently. And I think spiritual disciplines are not even meant to fully become everyday, <laughs> but to have enough differentiation that it can make our pulse pound in Christ and and mm. change up and mm. and get our attention um, in in a different kind of way. So, you know, I I, I think of journaling. Um, I'm a fitful journaler who deeply appreciates journaling and rarely does it in a way that I would say is enough for what I really wish. <laughs> right. But whenever I journal and come back to it, it's such a different in this technological world. I'm thinking of journaling with actual pen and paper. Um, there's something just um, lovely about mm. that interaction with Jesus. And it's, it's, it's available to me in the future, even in a different way than just sitting thinking and you know all of that. So I actually am okay with the fact that I'm fitful <laughs> a little bit and that I keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it because I think it's a, it's a disruptive force for good <laughs> yeah. in my life. And that's part of the power of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and every time we've brought up in the, in this conversation, the idea of the biblical, you know, disciplines, I keep thinking about fasting Mm-hmm. Um, because, because fasting is one of those disciplines that actually, you know, the scripture doesn't talk, it, it references, but it doesn't have a, a formula like this is how you fast. This is what it looks like. This is what you should do. Um, and, and I think Outside the conclusion, of don't tell anybody about it. Right. right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but, but I think part of that is just like, it was, uh, you know, a lot of scholars will say, well, they think part of that is because it was so natural to them. It was such mm. a common practice to them that they they didn't go into in depth on you know the conversation because they they practiced it on such a regular basis. But how often, man? Our world is all about gimme, 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 um, you know. And I want stuff. And fasting is a little bit about saying no, right? Whether whether you're food fasting or you're doing a technology fast or you're doing whatever it is, it's it's a little bit of saying, you know what? In this right now, what I need is Jesus. And I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to say no to other things that are vying for my attention. And, and I'm just going to be with him, um, you know, and, uh, but, but it's interesting. Uh, it's just interesting, at least on the fasting one. I don't know if, if there's another one that scripture is as, you know, doesn't get very detailed on. Well, I think, um, you know, some people will use the word solitude, but I think of it as schedule, schedule change or schedule disruption, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in just such a lovely way. When I first arrived here, um, the, the president of the Georgia Cumberland conference, Ed Wright had made super clear with all of the pastors in the conference, I'm expecting you to take one day a month and go out in nature and disrupt your schedule. Mm-hmm. That's on some level, that's fasting on some level, that's silence on some level. That's even things like, like is it possible that even breathing well is, is a, potential mm. portion of spiritual discipline, right? You know, mm. um, to, to, to say no to accomplishment of a certain sort on a given day. Um, those kinds of disruptive things that allow us to actually get out of our patterns and hear God uh, inviting us to be with him and who he can see us to be uh, if we would follow him. Mm. Mm. That's... Uh, 
It's so good. I find it. I find it hard. I actually said this in my sermon last week. Like I'm. I'm. Some of these are really difficult for me because they all require disruption. They are all require to slow down. And um, I think the one that the one that hits me most is submission. Right? Is that I've got to submit my schedule to to the Holy Spirit. I've got to submit my what I want, my plans to God and then go where he leads. And I don't always want to do that. And I want to, you know, it was kind of in the Mary Martha conversation, but like, I struggle with that. And I want, I want to be better. Um, but I'm going to fight my internal nature that says, um, no more, more, this is more is better. Like it's, it's all volume for me. It's not (laughs) value. And, um, and I've got to learn, I've got to learn to grow past that and live past that. And one of the ways I do that is by disrupting and slowing down and saying, all right, God, what is it? And then just shutting up for a little while and listening to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that disciplines allow us, allow us time for intimacy because you can't microwave that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just can't. And I don't, I, I find myself, I find myself, troubled that people who are really good at it begin to speak of it beautifully, right? It almost becomes a poetry in some respects. And then we have a tendency to be really worried about what they say because it doesn't sound like an academic pursuit. Like we're mm-hmm. okay with theology, but we're not so okay with poetry being the, what informs us about how we, should, how we should know about a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's really tragic because we forget to be winsome when it comes to these disciplines. Like we're like, as long as it's like a workout schedule, we'll be okay, which falls us into the trap of legalism and all that sort of thing. But like when you hear someone, you know, like, like honestly, like a Dallas Willard, who certainly is not from an Adventist background, but has some depth, um, you know, and I think we're all old enough and smart enough to discern what we agree with and what we don't agree with theologically. But then he says something that just that just wrenches your heart when it comes to the relationship that the spiritual mm. disciplines build mm. in you for God. Yeah. Like I don't think we should be so arrogant as to discount someone's deep spiritual experience. Yeah. And we also shouldn't be so blinded that we don't go, well, I don't buy that part of it. Um yeah. Right. Cause I mean, it's yeah. like with Patty, I agree with like 30% of what you say. 30%. Brilliant. 70%. 30, I, I don't know. I, I feel really, like I've moved I up. I've moved up to 30. I'm so excited. Well, it's taken I, a while, but yeah. You would think that's a dig, but I, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually think of, you mentioned poetry uh, and, and being winsome. I think of Eugene Peterson and, and all the different things that he wrote. Um, but he's the one that said, there are no experts in the company of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, the, this idea of spiritual gurus and and someone who's an expert, and and I I may have talked about this before, but my own journey in life, um, you know, I I I was blessed to spend really quality time in my spiritual journey with Dr. John Dibdahl, who you know, if, if you don't know him, he he taught pastors about the spiritual relationship. He wrote books, um, you know, about that, um, and then when I asked him if I could, um you know, if, if he'd be willing to be a part of my spiritual journey, he was like, well, yeah, as, as long as you know, I'm no expert. And I was like, well, what do you mean? You're no expert. I mean, you've written books, you've done all this stuff. And I realized I had, I had put people like him on these pedestals 
that, you know, like everything they said and everything they did would just must be, you know, blessed and ordained by God. And, and that and he, he said, no, there's, there's, he quoted Eugene Peterson, no experts in the company of Jesus. And he said, you know, as long as you are willing to, you know, be a part of my spiritual journey, I'll be a part of your spiritual journey. And I thought, man, what do I have to, to teach you? <laughs> um, you know, you've been at this much longer than I am, but, but man, that was such a, an important part of my, my own spiritual journey. And it, and it helped me to see over the course of time too, that this is, these are the kinds of conversations we should be having. Like, what is, what do you do when you pray? Um, what is, what does prayer mean to you? Journaling, fasting, solitude, all these kinds of practices, you know, studying scripture and reading, like, like, I feel like, especially for those of us that grow up in a, in a faith system, um, there's an assumption made that we just magically figured out how to do this, you know, like, like we just picked this up along the way, but we didn't really talk about it. Um, (laughs) you know, and so I think it's so important for us to talk about these things because, you know, man, maybe there's something Dave does in, in his spiritual journey that would help me, um, you know, or vice versa. Um, you know, I doubt there's anything you do, Tim, that would, you know, help me, but, um, (laughs) just throwing back a little dig, but, you know, I mean, I think it's something that, you know, we, we do need to be vulnerable. We need to talk about, you know, what are our struggles? What do we, what are we good at that we are not good at? I, I, but what are the things that really connect with our hearts and our souls and the practices that, that we feel like help us? Um, so I, I'm, you know, I was excited for this podcast because this is the kind of stuff that I feel like we, we definitely need to talk more about. Yeah, man. I, I think this is a, I think this is a, not just a good conversation. I actually think that this is a part of our spiritual growth and I don't think mm-hmm. it's something that we should shy away from. Um, but I do think it's something that we should be thoughtful as we approach and we should yeah. be well-read. And I think, I think what's important is that we grind, ground ourselves in the scriptural practices that we see Jesus engaged with. And we see so much of this. Um, we see so much of it in the life of Jesus and how he mm-hmm. shared that with his disciples and said, hey, we want, I want you to be a part of what I do. This is what it means mm-hmm. to be in one another, right? This is what it means to be in Christ. This is what it means to be in God. This is what it means to be in community. And so we have to grow that together. Yeah, and, and just think about, you know, Dave, when Dave talked about the disruption piece of it, I mean, think of what people wanted Jesus to do. Like, oh, the crowds are getting bigger. Let's go. Let's let's speak to the crowds. Why are we sitting here in the wilderness taking time away? Why are we in a quiet place? Why are, Let's go. We've got stuff to do. And and we've all often said, like, if man, if I knew I only had three and a half years to change the world, <laughs> like, would I have spent it, spent as much time in, in quiet and solitude or, you know, in, you know, pulling away from those crowds with the disciples? I, I think Jesus tried to model what that life was like, resisting the, the push uh, of, you know, the world and what the world thinks is successful um, to go deeper. You know, so, so when we are immersing ourselves in practices that help us, you know, our minds be molded about what Jesus said and did and our heart and our lives, then, you know, that stuff just, it, it, again, it's what it means to remain. So we talked about remaining in the vine when we practice remaining, then fruit grows. That's right. That's absolutely right. No, I'm with you. And I think this may be a really great place to stop. Um, Dave, any last words? 
I just, um, I've been thinking as you guys have talked, I think, uh, what if, oh, you guys are watching me right now and I can tell it's because my, I'm so We don't know what's happening with you. It is impossible to tell. (laughs) Well, I've loved this conversation. How about that as a last word? (laughs) (laughs) I, well, and I, you know, I think, I think it'd be important, especially for our faith communities that, that we all get to be a part of. And, and that is that, you know, for people that are wanting to, you know, go deeper and, and wrestle more with this. I mean, I, you know, I'm happy. I'm sure any of us are happy to to talk with somebody through that. We've got other pastors on our teams or other elders and leaders and folks that want to journey with you. Um, I mean, the whole idea behind the spiritual disciplines, I think, and being called into this is, yeah, there's certain things that we do on our own between us and God, but all of it is meant to be communal at the end of the day. Um, you know, Jesus didn't call one disciple, he called 12, you know, this is a communal experience. And so I I hope those that want to lean in more, um, will reach out. Absolutely. And as we continue to grow our discipleship ministry under the leadership of, um, John Ciccarelli, you can go to the discipleship page and there's so many opportunities to be engaged, to be involved, or to just say, Hey, I'm interested in this, whether it's a book club, whether it's a cohort, whether it's a retreat, um, and I'm really glad that we as Crosswalk Global are really leaning into that with the expertise that John has. And maybe he should have been here, but he is actually on a retreat with our pastors in our conference right now. So, um, which by the way, his retreats are always by the ocean, it feels like, which are, is not bad. But um, <laughs> but we want to make sure that you have the access to everything that you need as you um, learn and grow and God transforms you spiritually and grows you. And so um, we just want to thank you for being a part of what happens here at not only Crosswalk, but the Sacred Echo podcast. And uh, Patty, thank you. Dave, thank you. And listener, listeners, should it's more than one. It's growing every week. Um, <laughs> listeners, thank you for hanging out and being with us. And uh, may you be blessed and certainly love well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Lovewell Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative. 